Welcome to the Drunk Guys Book Club, where books aren't just for school, where book clubs aren't just for women, and praise be the fruit of these beers. I'm Mike. I'm Nate. I'm Jimmy. And we're the Drunk Guys, and this week we are reading The Testaments by Margaret Atwood, and starting with a beer called The Pastriarchy by Duclaw Brewing Company. This is an imperial stout, I think, with a Vietnamese coffee added or something like that, and what does it say? Eight and a half percent. Barrel aged Vietnamese coffee stout. Eight and a half percent. I don't know what Vietnamese coffee is. I guess it just means we lose it's, eventually. It's coffee that lives in the, <laughs> hides in the bushes. It's coffee named it Charlie. Means we, it means we like escalate for a really long time, but still just can't win. It's the brew of Tonkin. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, Jesus Christ! It smells like a coffee it's, chocolate factory. Is chocolate in this? I see it on the on the thing. There's a lot of pictures of it. Yeah, but I, it's not listed in the description on the front, but maybe in like the long description on the back. I mean, do they actually add chocolate to these things, or do they just end up tasting like chocolate, so they just say it's chocolate? It, this doesn't say they add chocolate. But that's straight-up pictures of fucking... It does taste like chocolate. Yeah, I get a lot of chocolate. I have way more chocolate than I get coffee. But maybe my taste buds have been numbed by the pizza we ate earlier. No, it doesn't taste like coffee at all, really. I also don't really get much of the barrel flavor, frankly. Mm. I don't know what Vietnamese coffee is, though. I've had other beers. I think, you know, there's Ethiopian coffee and Colombian coffee. I think there's if you're a real coffee nerd... You might be able to taste those differences if you had a cup of coffee I mean, black I know, like, side tur- by side. Turkish coffee is like thick. Well, that's about how it's prepared. That's not about where is the beans th- are from. Is though. is this about where the beans are from? I think so. I mean, because coffee trees can only grow in certain tropical regions. I'm sure, basically yeah. along the equator. So, uh, I imagine Vietnam is close to the equator. Imagine your favorite rich, creamy chocolate malty Russian imperial stout blended with Indian monsooned Malabar coffee. Okay, so that doesn't make any fucking sense. And Asian bourbon barrels. So it's Indian coffee, even though on the front it says a Vietnamese coffee stout. So I don't know what the fuck they're talking about. I mean, it's good, but the, 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 the words are confusing. Anyway, the, the beer, it is good. It is, it is not like super sweet, but yet it does taste like chocolate. More than coffee. It just much yeah, it like, doesn't taste like coffee at all, really. Much like Gilead, it doesn't deliver on the promises it it. Lays out what here. what, they, what yeah. they say it is is not what it really is. That's how I feel, which yeah. is an important theme of this book. Yeah, yeah definitely. So the Testaments. I mean, why do we choose the patriarchy? If you don't know, read the first book. So this is the sequel to The Handmaid's Tale, which came out in like 1986 like or something. It was like 30 like years later. Like 35 almost. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. I think it's before, I think it's 86 or 85 it came out. It's been a minute. So Nate was in high school, but we were just <laughs> born. Nate might have been in college. <laughs> he read it in his women's studies class in college freshman year. No, we li- didn't have those in the eighties. <laughs> it was it's an old book. And by the way, episode two exactly. of the Trump book club—that's yeah. the second episode we did. Did you guys do it because Handmaid's Tale came out on Hulu? Then I think we just actually did a little we, bit, yeah, a little but, bit, yeah. But also, we, it's just a really yeah. good book. Yeah. No, yeah, mm-hmm. it's definitely. But like, it, it, it became. Like, it was a good book that a lot of people didn't fucking know about because people don't read. Yeah. But then Hulu blew it the fuck up. And basically, the first season of the show is the book. And since then, t- season two was wildly different. Like, they just kind of extrapolated and made their own thing. Three, I haven't really seen, but I'm sure it's different because two is different. And this... I've, I, so I've, been, I've been told about it, and I'll talk about that later. Okay. Because the, the end of two was book. so infuriating, I didn't want to even watch three. Oh really? Oh yeah. I but this is this book. This book is completely unrelated because it takes place 15 years after the first book. It is slightly related. I was I've been told by a friend who's seen the whole show that the in season three, 
the main thing that happens at the end of season three is that spoiler of Fred. Yeah, spoiler because I haven't watched it either though. So you know, but just what I've heard I'm that the, of, of Fred, who I think has a name in the show. I think it's June. I think that's her name. June. Ju- yeah, she is June. But she was June in the first book technically, but it was kind of like it subtle. never says it. It never says once, it, but it's by the way, like pretty subtle. Anyway, that she actually escapes with a baby. That's what happens in season three. Okay. Anyway, that does set up the plot of this book. Now, Margaret Atwood was, I'm pretty sure, one of the she was pro- involved. executive producers. She was involved, and she heavily show. Was, she, she was involved a lot in like the plot points and writing of the show, what the plot was going to be. Yeah. This book is not season two or three. Or three, except you could, I mean, I'm going to just guess. Similar themes. The things that happened in the show technically set up what happens in this book. Not that you yes. needed to know that to understand it, because you, you didn't need there, to know there, that. There are some things you can assume from the first and second, uh, from the, between the first and second book, but you're never really, it's never really confirmed, but we'll get no. to that at the end, I guess. So let's just plow through what does happen in the book then. Um, it takes place from three narrators as opposed to the one, one. In the first one. Yeah, so one is identified as the Ardua Hall holograph because it's a talking picture projected at RTD. I didn't get that because she was writing it down the whole time. Holograph means something, like a, you know, in terms of like a manuscript or. It's not like I think it's, of a it's hologram. Like a, like a, no, they call it holograph. Don't I'm they? Like, you're thinking of a hologram. Yeah, totally. That talks. Yeah, like a, exactly. Talk like that. The holog- I don't know why the fuck they call it a hologram. It means I, like I, a. But the graph is writing instead of. I mean, she's saying like, I'm slipping these pages inside this book to be hidden for later. Anyway, the person writing it is Aunt Lydia. Oh, a document wholly in the handwriting of its author. That's what it is. Sorry, I was reading the wrong. I was reading that's the weird because that's like I was every document I would imagine. But all right. Well, uh, but they also don't like. I guess because they don't know the authors, they don't trust the author's name. They don't. They don't know the veracity. It's a single of it. source document, but it's in their handwriting as opposed to being typed, typed or collected, dictated or, or digitized. And then there's the two testimonies, which frankly confuse the shit out of me for a lot of the book. A little bit, yeah. Of witness... Because you wonder, because it just says witness, blah, 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 and you wonder, like, what? Is there going to be a thing later? Well, it, it, it was kind of like the first one, where at the end, they have, like, historians talking about the documents they recovered. Yeah, which was hysterical again, but... Mm-hmm. So there's the testimony of witness 369A and witness 369B. It kind of would be helpful if they had fucking different numbers, like wildly different numbers. You can usually tell within a page which one it was, though, because one yeah. curses a lot and the other doesn't. In the beginning, mm-hmm. they're, yeah. I mean, once they, the plots over, like in the beginning, they're all very disparate threads and then they weave together yeah. and then they separate it. So at a certain point, it gets a little confusing, but you can figure it out. But by the end, it's Aunt Lydia and the other ones are one. They're one combination. story. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Combination. So story. it kind of smushes. It but which was a thing that happened a lot in the in, oh, yeah. in the Handmaid's Tale world. There's a lot of smushing happening. But Aunt Lydia was a character in the first book. She's really yes. the only re- returning character outwardly. I uh, wish yeah. I had the time mm-hmm. to reread the Handmaid's Tale because I don't remember her. So I, I in fact, I did reread the Handmaid's Tale. So uh, Aunt Lydia is one of the. So she's like an enforcer. So the ants are the 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 religious enforcers of. Uh, they're the women religious enforcers of the Handmaid's Tale, and Aunt Lydia, she's the one who. In the very in near the beginning of the Handmaid's Tale, when it talks about of Fred, who was I guess called June, and her friend, they were like first taken in as to be trained as handmaids. Aunt Lydia is the one who's like she breaks telling them. yeah, like basically in charge and like making them do it. And I think Aunt Lydia is the one that of Fred's like friend like kidnaps and like ties inside the the bathroom and like is able to escape. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's her. Yeah, that's her. 
Um, but she's not a big character in that book, and it's obviously in in the first book. And obviously, there's nothing. She's from a bigger her, character in the character. show. She, uh, got, she had more of a presence. I only saw a few episodes of the show, so I couldn't say exactly. But as she was a very, I mean, this the the second book, the Testaments, makes her into a much more important character. She's kind of like in the show, at least. Um, you ever see the sh- the movie Matilda? She's the Miss Trunchbull. She's Miss Trunchbull, basically. <laughs> she looks the same, same like level of you know. Well, she doesn't have a chokey. But she's got the same level of, like, authority. She doesn't let anybody eat her fucking chocolate cake. She makes the one fat kid eat all the chocolate cake. <laughs> you ever watch Matilda? Or read it? So the is this musical? the Roald Dahl? Roald Dahl? Yeah. yeah. I read the book, definitely. I've never seen any video. She does look like that. But she looks like she's wearing the clothes of a Jawa. <laughs> like the yes. fucking ants mate. Ants well, they have, like, like pseudo-military like outfits. Well, the whole place is a military police state. Yes, yeah, they they talk about the robes a lot in the book, but it's a little different in the show because it's more. It's more, I guess they have a commanding thing. But she was not a big character in the first one. But no. she was definitely she was one in of, there. She was one of the few mentioned by name because a lot of the characters in the first one don't really have names. But they have it, like it pseudonyms and titles. Yeah, but really, in the first book, it was just of Fred and the commander and Nick were like the were really yeah. mostly of Fred and the commander were the two big and the commander's big wife. Yeah, whatever the fuck her name was. It was uh, Love Joy or something like that? Serena Joy. Serena Joy, Joy yeah. that's what it was. Anyway. This, uh, this one is... Wildly different. Is Aunt Lydia from her perspective, and it's... 15 years later. Radically different from what yeah. you think she is. And then yeah. the other character is this girl. I mean, she starts out pretty young, and then what? it's a testimony of what she was like, what she remembers young, and then as a Agnes? later teenager, her name's Agnes, Agnes something? Agnes Jemima. She Agnes made Jemima. the fucking bomb-ass pancakes. Yeah. <laughs> Best ones. Definitely the best ones in uh, Gilead where there's no joy allowed. And Mrs. Butterworth was hung up on the wall. Yeah, she was. <laughs> For being black. Yeah. <laughs> well, there, there is the one line. That is another big difference in the show and the book. In the, in the is, show, there's black, black people. Yeah, they let them. But in the book, it's just they exterminated anyone who wasn't white. And they mentioned briefly like a throwaway thing like, there was that attempt at a whites only this or that. There was a line of that. And I was like, yeah. whoa, what, where did that, where's that going? And it never came back. I mean, it's established in the first book, so they don't need to reestablish that all the non-white people are dead or evicted. So you don't really need to continue, I guess. But they do mention a Mexican girl later in the book, a Mexican girl brought back from the Pearl Girls who got turned into a handmaid. Yes. So I guess they have a a moving target on what counts. Well, to it's be also white. it's also about you know their because the whole thing is kind of like how Gilead is not really working out. Oh, big surprise! Has any dicto- I mean, the most one of the things that this must be modeled on to some degree. The most successful totalitarian, totalitarian state of this type is North Korea because it's been like that for like close to seventy about, years. Uh, Franco, Franco didn't have, he had about forty years. Forty years is a long time. Yeah, but North Korea has been from nineteen fifty three to the current day. Yeah, no, yeah, you're certainly. talking closing in on seventy years. But there's a little more interaction between the outside world. I guess they're allowed to interact with countries near them. North Korea? Yeah. Not really. I mean, no. like, China, they I can, mean, like, China, talk to China. yes, but there's really, people in North Korea have very little contact with the The government world. of North Korea. The government. I mean, the but governments, But the yeah. people don't. No. Well, they have the Pearl Girls in this. But they're just, like, I mean, that's, Missionaries, basically. It, I felt that that part was modeled very much on the, the Mormon model of sending out the young people for their mission mm, of yeah. two years to go to wherever. Well, they're trying to exterminate the actual Mormons. They do that. They mention that too. They yeah. mention that they want to exterminate the Mormons, and they also say that the, the Catholics are just as heretical as everything else. So we're kind of giving away a lot of the details without getting into the plot. Well, I mean, there's uh, the, the these books. Both of them are very much like 
there's a lot of plot and you don't really get like a sense of the world except through like little sentences here and there. It's like, oh shit, okay. Because in the first book you get almost nothing. So this one was like 10 times as much detail about the surrounding area. This one really fleshed it out, I thought. Yeah. yeah. It really gives you the world and it also gives you the history of the world through yeah. Aunt Lydia's mm-hmm. perspective. Because what, I, what was interesting is you have three characters, right? You have Aunt Lydia, you have Agnes Jemima, and we didn't introduce the last one whose name Baby is... Baby Nicole. Baby Nicole slash Jade slash... Jade was her Daisy? name they people called her. What was her original name? They, was, they really never mentioned her original name except maybe once. It might have been Daisy. It might yeah. have been Daisy. Mm-hmm. So you have whatever. Baby Nicole, who's a person who lives in Canada, who's lived her entire life outside of Gilead and has seen on the news that it's a hellhole. Then there's Agnes Jemima, who has lived in Gilead her whole life and, and thinks that this is normal. There. Yeah. And then there's Aunt Lydia, who was older and lived in the world before. She's like in her 70s at this point? It's, or like yeah, early she's, 70s, she's, she's she mentioned? Definitely, she's like, yeah, she's I'm a, near the end of my life, and I'm, you know, my body is shit, and, but I've got to do all this stuff. She, she adapted to survive in this world and did horrific things. Yes. It was weird. It was weird. It is interesting because she's a, both a sympathetic character and a horrific it's character. It's weird because in the first book, she's only... The worst, yeah. And in this one, you kind of get a sense of like, oh, there's like more to it, and you don't want to sympathize with her because or empathize. I don't really know the difference. Uh, The difference is empathy is when you feel it as well. Sympathy is you just feel bad. How you like feel for for someone? Yeah, like you feel bad for someone. Like you could you could understand what they're feeling as empathy. Yeah. Whereas sympathy is you just feel sorry for them. Yeah. So you you don't really know what to feel because you know she's done the worst things and she has inflicted unmentionable suffering to. Hundreds or thousands of people. Of people. Yeah. But she's also kind of the good... She's the protagonist she's, she in a ends way. Up being, yeah. She ends up turning into kind of a good she's kind of kind a hero. of like a sleeper cell. It's more like she's a villain who redeems himself in the end. Kind mm-hmm. of. Yeah. But she's like Darth on, Vader. But planned on redeeming himself the whole time. That's she's played the, She kind of played like the very long con. Yes. Very, very long con. But she yeah. kind of didn't like play off the con until it was like, I'm going to die soon. Or um, it's it's gone on too long. She, I I don't know if she. I guess we'll discuss it at the end. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll get to there. We'll get to there. I think so. Yeah, let's have a beer. beer right? Yeah, mm-hmm. might as well. Praise be. Praise. <laughs> Blessed be the beer under his eye. This is Rapture from the Alchemist. So we've had the Alchemist beers before when we did uh, the Alchemist, and we did. Yeah, Alchemist is one of those breweries that's really really famous for beers that at one point or another are considered the greatest beer in the world. And Rapture is a beer they don't make very often. And I happened to just go up there recently, and they had literally five four-packs of this left. Mm. And we were the first online. So I was like, I don't really need to buy... So you bought all five? I bought only one. I, ex- <laughs> I exercised uh, restraint, Discretion. which in, in, uh, in theme with the Testaments, I did not indulge. ale. It's an IPA, 7% alcohol IPA. They make it intermittently. Their big beer is Heady Topper and then Focal Banger, which we will do. We have done, rather, for The Alchemist. Maybe we'll do them for my first time because I haven't had it before. This is bitter as shit. It's very bitter. It's a very old school IPA. I I bought one four-pack. I went with my whole family. My my sister-in-law's boyfriend bought three of the four-packs. He's like, I don't want to kill it out. So he left one. one. (laughs) (laughs) Had he had them before? We've never had Rapture. We've so had he bought three, four packs not knowing what it was like. Well, so he ends up doing a lot of swapping with people. Oh, okay. Like a lot of his coworkers will take trips to other breweries out so of the state. Like you get the hard to get ones. And yeah, you, you trade them in or you just sell them. Yeah. And, and there it's dirt cheap. You pay twelve fifty a four pack. Jesus Christ. 
So okay. even if you go to, say, Finback, which, which is the yeah. brewery I really wish would sponsor us, but if you go to Finback, it's $20 sometimes for a four-pack, and you're buying it there. Yeah, any, any place nowadays... Grocery anything, store, anything bodega, less than like twenty, bucks for twenty-two. Yeah, I mean, talking rare. About three dollars and twelve and a half cents a can, right? Is that what yeah. it's for? Four? Yeah, yeah. Like that. that's dirt cheap. People will buy those and they will sell, resell them on what must be a at Skin best gray market. market. Yeah, for ten, twelve, even fifteen dollars a can. So the guy, the guy I know, he he buys them and he sells them for like cost. He doesn't profiteer off of it because he'll get someone else who goes to. Treehouse or goes to somewhere else and they'll bring beer and he'll get it. There. Like, Pay it forward. Yeah. I thought this was kind of underwhelming, this rapture. It tastes like a fucking, you know, old, old school, school IPA. IPA. Yeah, it's nothing special. Yeah, I think that's the thing with problem with Alchemist is like they made a really great beer a decade ago. One time. And, and everyone like was it. like, holy shit, this They're is living amazing. living off the name. Yeah. They have a really cool place. Um, the nice thing is if you go there, you can get as many... I mean, I haven't tested how many you can get, but they don't, they don't have a bar there, but they give you free samples of three of, they'll have three beers on tap at a given time. Mm-hmm. I had three, they have three different beers, yeah, but they only sell cans of like four or five beers at a time. You know, they don't, it's like every day they have a different thing for sale. So I went okay. and, you know, they have, we have, we have, they always have the heady topper and the focal banger, the big ones, and then they'll have a couple of randos and they had on tap the focal top, focal banger, the heady topper, of course, and then something else. I don't remember what it was. It wasn't, I don't think it was Rapture or something else. And you just go to the guy and you bring it. He's like, I'll take a sample of that. And he gives you a little glass and you drink it. And, you know, it's like a, like a three-ounce pour or four-ounce pour. And you drink that and you go back. I'll try this one. And you could just keep going back. I had like five or six samples. It was 11 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that's when they opened. I was first online. It was pretty sweet. Uh, but, yeah, they, they kind of, they, 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 they've, they've built this, this whole image around this one beer from a decade ago. And it, they haven't really changed. Like, everything else has changed but them. You know what I mean? It's the mm. same thing for like every other big brewery. They're kind of getting swept away in, in my estimation at least. So I was kind of disappointed when I went back this time. But don't remember that when we have some of their beers later in the series. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't, yeah. But I chose Rapture because that's religious. There we go. <laughs> I mean, it makes total sense for this one. It's all about the Jesus. The Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. Well, I don't really talk about Jesus. But I mean, it's a, they never it's a religious say, thing. They never yeah. say Jesus, but they're clearly Christian fundamentalists. I mean, they, oh, yeah, they yeah. call it, you Absolutely. know, in the, in the ending, they, they call it a uh, puritanical theocracy. So, Which, by the way, because it takes place in Massachusetts, is, you know, where the Puritans really were originally. So it's mm-hmm. a throwback to them. And Illuminati confirmed. Yes. It's fiction. <laughs> still Just like, still confirmed. Confirmed. <laughs> like still the Illuminati. <laughs> Precisely. Good. Yeah. Depends on who you talk to. They're talking to liars. She wake up, sheeple. You know, there's three different protagonists, and we kind of experience you jump between the three of them. Yeah, bounces uh, around. Like there are a couple of different thrones. things. So, like, first of all, from from uh, Aunt Lydia, you find out about what it's really like with the top people inside um, inside Gilead, and, and it's, it's like it is in awful in any like basically terrible. fascistic and, government. And, and I don't. I mean, I don't purges. know a ton about what it was like for, like, basically Hitler's inner circle or for, like, the top people in the Third Reich. I have a feeling she's thinking about those people. Not um, Stalin's Russia? Probably. It's, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's more similar to, like, Probably Stalin. also Because he's talking about frequent too. purges and... Hitler didn't exist long enough to purge a lot of the people. He was he, kind of he, warring all the time. Stalin had more time to, like... It's true. I, what I was, I was referring to is more like the fact that the different people were all sort of, like... Everyone was scheming. They were f- scheming against each this other. Is like a, it was like a low-key dune. 
Less spice. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely less spice. Spicy. Well, they weren't a lot of spice. I'm it sure pure, the Puritans sure don't deal well with spice. Very bland. Ketchup is the is the height of spice for them. <laughs> but you know, it's like you know, everyone has got like these ulterior motives and they're pitting people against each other to like use them for their manipulations. And, and there's all these infighting and you know, and also secrets. like Commander Judd. What's that his name? It was Ashley and Winona's dad. Yes. Judd. Yeah. Ashley. The Judd. Winona Judd. The no. Judd. The Judd. No, never mind. I get it. Yeah. Head Judd. And I was thinking <laughs> he's head. probably whoever like the top spy dude in the Third Reich was. Was he Eichmann? Was that Eich- who it was? I think it was Eichmann. So, anyways, no. probably based on him. That I'm just gonna guess. This guy was, a little, this guy was like a Santa Claus. He said he looked like Santa Claus. But wanted another, wanted a fourth wife, a fourth oh, teenage like five wife. Five or six wives. He's deep in those wives. Yeah. Because in the first book, you don't really. Meanwhile, you don't really get a sense of. Like the day to day thing, except for like the, because it's all from one handmaid's perspective. So you don't get mm-hmm. a sense of the broader society. And it also was a fresh revolution. And so yeah. we're 15 years in at this point, and you're getting into all the creepy shit where there's, you know, frequent child brides for just the, you know, the commanders. Elite, the yeah. commanders and Not even their handmaids, actual like child brides. Yeah, and he'll fuck a girl for like a year, and she's on 14. She's like, oh, she's a little old right now. And oh, she fell down the stairs. Or oh, she all, ate all the oh. rat poison in my cupboard. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> why'd she do that? Maybe we should have taught her to Shouldn't lead. put it next to the cornflakes. <laughs> and, and so, anyway, you, you hear about, like, basically the rot inside the, 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 total, it's a lot of, the it's a totalitarian lot of regime. Well, but but it's, it's interesting. And that's, and that's revealed slowly. But they're all using the same, they're always very cagey in how they speak to each other, and everybody's playing four-dimensional chess. Mm-hmm. You know, they're always... Or like their version of four-dimensional chess, which is not that... It's a uh, regular chess. Yeah. <laughs> but they, they, they're, they're always... They're still maintaining the use of the language of the of the regime. Yes. Nobody ever drops their guard for a second. They're always like, yes, praise be. And then someone says something like, I know what she means. I have to answer something cryptic, but not give it away. But I have to find the exact tightrope to walk over with this conversation. And everybody just lives in that. But they're world. also all kind of not trusting, but like using of Aunt Lydia because she's a dumb lady. She could never do anything to hurt us. Their brains are smaller than ours. Yeah. And but, she's like, but all she's I actually, do is harvest secrets to bring this whole place. She's down. actually the lady spy master. She yeah. is. She is more the Eichmann. A she mm-hmm. spy. She does spy. She's a, a she spy. You know, she's a. Sh- <laughs> Beer? Okay. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one. This is called Devil's Harvest Breakfast IPA. What does that mean? Uh, I mean, we're supposed to have this for breakfast. Oh my god, it's full of eggs. <laughs> Unlike the women of Gilead, apparently, because that's the biggest thing that they, people are not. That was like a, that was a thing, but it seems to have gotten a little bit better. Well, than the first. Book. It's never really explained what's going on. I guess it's just pollution and shitty. To, I know, think lifestyle. in the first Handmaid's Tale, which was sort yeah. of the prem, you know the premise of the whole it thing, was, that was a pollution. Margaret Atwood was talking about the pollution of the environment, is sort of kind of though warning that you know with all the chemicals, everybody's that that are being sprayed everywhere. You know, I'm sure she was talking about Silent Spring and things like that, that were kind of poisoning our poisoning ourselves, and that's what she was talking about, which kind of became the premise for. Why Gilead needed handmaids is because most women couldn't have, couldn't bear children. They were completely. And there's still but a fertility crisis throughout all of Earth. All, all, all of Earth, these people but, are just fucking nuts. But they, the women who can still have children, they're you know made to be handmaids. So like, and in, in, are in, this, birth festival, in this birth book, festival. like yeah, the unbabies, the unbabies the ones, are like the mutant children. Like there's yeah. there there are wives and like what I call like Kana wives that can still. I still have, don't know what an Kana wife was. Basically, they're just not the they're not commanders. They're like regular people. There's like the regular people. Okay. 
Yeah, I think so. This is a breakfast IPA, 4.9% by Southern Prohibition Brewing. This is a, you know, tastes like, tastes like beer. It's a pretty decent, it's an okay. It's a breakfast IPA because I guess it's 4.9%, so you can just drink a bunch of it for breakfast. Uh, uh, This is from, is it from like Louisiana? Is that where it's from? Down there, they don't have session beers. They just have breakfast beers, I guess, which is intense. Battlesburg, Mississippi. Oh, all right. So, okay, the other character, so the, the second character is uh, Agnes Jemima, who, by the way, is, like, pretty easy to figure out, is actually Alfred's daughter, the one that was kidnapped no, that's, um, way back. That's, um... Well, like, way back in the day. That That's, uh... Baby Nicole, you're saying? Baby Nicole. No, 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 Baby Nicole is oh, not Agnes that. Jemima's no. older. Agnes Jemima's Agnes older. Agnes Jemima is the, is the daughter that, that, that Alfred had yes. years before Because in the first one, she, she has a baby, and then she, ex- she escapes, but she's when, like she's, like she three escapes when she's pregnant. She's like, so, no, no, so, no, she's not pregnant. The, the, the child that she has with the, the divorced man, they're like, she's like three or four, and when, and when Gilead becomes a thing, they try and escape to Canada right, right, right. Yo, she, with she, the child. She has her kid taken from her. During the revolution, because they get caught at no, they get caught at the border trying to yeah. escape. During the yeah, the upheaval, the the thing that makes the child's taken away. Uh, June, who of of Fred becomes a handmaid, and you never in and, and, and one of the things that happens in Handmaid's Tale is Serena Joy, in order to like get get of Fred to do something, says she like guess to I will here. I have her. a picture of your daughter, or you can go see her, or something like that. You can't speak to her. You can't say I'm your mom. You just she look at her from the car. I will give you information about your daughter. That that's just oh, it. So she had a daughter remember, already, which is, show, which is the book. She be, the reason why she became a handmaid is because she had already had a child. So she, her womb was good to go. Exactly. So, but when she escapes, she is pregnant. That's baby Nicole. That is baby Nicole. Who's the other character? I forgot, that she had the, I forgot that, that that was the girl that... I, this, I, is, this is like the episode big, the big one of the show. I mean, I just totally forgot that she had a kid and a, already. And a flashback in yeah. the... Uh, I mean, it's half of the flashbacks. Anyway, Agnes Jemima is, is like, has grown up, uh, grown up in Gilead. She cannot remember, uh, but she has basically been taken in by a family of one of the... Well, basically by a commander's wife. And... Commander British. and like the nicest wife. She's the only the, nice. She's wife. the Atticus Finch of Gilead. She's the nicest Tabitha person. Tabitha, and the she's only like, person who's loving and, and kind and tells, in the Marvel world. And, and tells uh, Agnes Jemima, like I, I chose you from a castle of children yeah, locked a, in the forest. Yeah, which is a very weird thing. But like the point, but like, it might I have been literal. chose you, you know, and loved her very much, which was all great. But then, but her then mom she dies. dies. Her, her adopted mom by the father dies, and you, and you find out later, yeah, that she was probably poisoned. You also, you know, there's he marries a new lady who definitely, you, it's pretty clear, killed her husband. Yeah. She's like, oh, she was covered in his and blood it, from trying to put his clothes back on when she found the body. Like, that's not how anything works, kid. No. <laughs> totally yeah. the evil stepmom. Yes. Yeah. Of what is actually not her real mom, but... Second evil stepmom. And wasn't her real dad. But she does not learn that that's not her... Until much later. She didn't learn that Tabitha yeah. wasn't her mom until later on when she and Shun- uh, Becca. Shunamity? Shunamite. How do you pronounce that? Did anyone do the audiobook? So oh, I, I did, yes. I thought it was Shunamite. I th- I, it's, it's two M's. It's, it's sh- How's it spelled? S H U N A M M I T E. It's a Shunamite. Yeah. I, I just read it as Shunamity because Amity is a word for like friendship. And she was a bitch, so I thought she didn't. She didn't do friendship. All those like, oh, they're like old biblical names, like Unamite or Unamite. Uh, okay. Those are all like old timey fucking. Which what these people would have been into. It was weird. It was it was very jarring to have the 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 person being Baby Nicole 
Nicole, I, I went to school like for Nicole's. That's not a that biblical a name. That is a very common name. That's a modern name. Yeah, though. very like, common I, modern. I don't name. know the history of the word of the name Nicole, but I well, don't like, think it's like in the her, Old her mother was Paula. But that's just a feminine form of Paul, which is a pretty biblical yeah, the fucking name. Middle name is Jemima. So Jemima there, must be an Old Testament name, though. Maybe. I, there's there's a weird weird thing with the names. I don't know. Well, the other thing that I figured out, uh, I was very proud. I'm like, wait a second, all the ants have names of products, like Aunt Vidalia onions. <laughs> Aunt Vidalia, but there was there's a part where there's a scene. It's like Aunt uh, Aunt Betty. Aunt Lorna and Aunt Sarah. And I was like, wait, those are all fucking baked goods. Lorna like Dunes, Sarah Lee, and Betty Crocker. Yeah. They were and like, it, they, were, they were the wedding planners. Like yeah. the useless ants. And then there was Aunt Victoria and Aunt Immortelle, which is a fucking perfume. Those were, their, oh, there was, those were the girls' aunt names. Yeah. They, they all, but they, they do say it later on, like, they, oh, you get to choose from a list. It's things that women will be comfortable with because they're familiar with them. With lady, but they were lady allowed words. to choose from like a fucking Amway catalog. And they were product, yeah. product names, yeah. They were all product. Aunt Cottonelle. <laughs> I mean, there was one. There had to be one. Cottonelle's TP. <laughs> but they were all, I, I was like, figure that, wait a second. All of them are named after shit. That's so weird. Why would they do that? Except the founders. Yeah, they, they never explained where their names came from. Lydia, I mean, Vidala, they, they might. I mean, like uh, for all we know, Lydia was her real name. It's true. Because they never give her they never give her pre revolution name. She was just you know, as they explained it, she was a judge. A family a family, court, a family judge. court judge who got mm-hmm. taken in and put into a stadium and then basically forced into uh through a series of torture and you know psychological psychological shit. abuse to start being part of them and shooting the other ladies who talk back. Yeah, we should we should well, we just still haven't introduced the third character. We have a beer of her anyway. The third one is the one who's lived in Canada, who's clear, who, fuck, what's her, is it Daisy? She's called Jade later. They don't really give I, her I a name either. I think it's Daisy, something I like that. I think it's Daisy. Yeah. I, it's a weird name for me to imagine. It's like, it's, yeah, I think it's Daisy, but the, they mention it maybe in passing once, but they don't give her a name until she has to go under a assumed name. Yeah, so she lives in Canada with her parents, or who thinks are her parents, who, who she thinks are her parents, and she... Uh, it's talking about this all in the past tense, so she never actually calls them mom or dad, which tells you something, actually, right away. Mm-hmm. That they're yeah. like, I forgot their names are Nick and... Uh, no, it's not... Oh, whatever the fuck, it doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah, two people. And and she describes how, like... Well, these, oh, are, these are all witness transcripts from later on. Yeah. And, and, and I remember the thing, and then this thing happened, and uh, that would make a lot of sense when I learned what I learned later on. Like, okay, yeah, something's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they run a clothing store, which is... Just turn- like a thrift shop. Yeah. Kind of clothing store. Which turns out to be... Not a f- the Macklemore kind. <laughs> They, they didn't see a broken keyboard or buy there a broken keyboard. There wasn't $50 for a t-shirt. They, <laughs> God damn Macklemore. They, they have this, which is, it's a front. It's like a, it's like, yeah. this is the one thing I thought was for really. For the, the underground woman road or whatever it's I called. I thought the name was really lame, actually. It was the underground Margaret female Atwood, road. Margaret Atwood has, is, is a great writer. Comes with great stuff. She's but fantastic. Like, cor- like corny names for stuff is her thing. Really? You think so? Oh, yeah, yeah. I've read other books of hers. Like I read the whole Oryx and Crake trilogy. You know, she, she has a lot of sci-fi. Like, this is like her, yeah, least, she, her least sci-fi books speculative are Speculative fiction. It is speculative a lot fiction. of sci-fi. Like those, were, those were very strange. Yeah, they were very strange. But like, and very all, dark all the names for everything in that were so terrible. Like, oh, the spa where they like redo you is called A New You, but like spelled A-N-O-O-Y-O-O. And the corporations are just referred to as the corpse. Yeah, like she, she writes great stuff, but like her names for shit are terrible. Just trash every time. I don't understand it. Or maybe that's, I don't know, maybe it's her choice. Maybe it's like a purposeful thing. I don't get it. I don't know. I, I've read a few other things, but yeah, this is like the fourth book of hers I've read. 
she is great, and and a lot of it is sci-fi ish. Yeah, in the, that world. Yeah, um, I haven't really noticed that in the other ones. So they, her, her uh, Daisy's parents are, are operatives in Mayday, the anti-Gilead or like Gilead. Or it's like the secret female. network inside Gilead right. that sometimes Smugglers. can rescue women. Right, but it was the underground railroad for women was the underground female road, which is just mm-hmm. like, come on, a little forced. But they, she, she it's like her birthday, right? <laughs> yeah, it's her, her 16th birthday. birthday. And then... Uh, and so, and so she goes to happens. a protest against Gilead because they're in Canada. You know, they're, you know, they're not they're in favor of that. And they and they mention a number of times that the one of the big issues that Gilead keeps saying is return baby Nicole because baby Nicole is this baby that was like basically kidnapped by a woman who was escaping Gilead or they or kidnapped from the perspective yeah. of Gilead they're saying she was kidnapped return baby Nicole and then to go uh, she their parents her parents I'm using air quotes there tell her do not go do do not go to this protest there will be cameras do not go to this protest but she sneaks out and goes anyway cuz she wants to do something she comes back and the parents are like really mad and there's like violence at the protest or yeah, something she happens. gets saved by her parents like her friend Ada Ada who's kind of like a bikerish like it's kind of what i picture she, she's, she's like an, she's also an enforcer anyway yeah, she's like she's a, a good aunt Lydia yeah, a week later so, and then okay a week later I was at the bottom? yeah in a week later Seagulls be quiet. Bomb diggity. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. And this fucking beer is called Foul Mouthed. That's <laughs> a brewery. Oh, it's, brewery it's, is it's, called Foul Mouthed. Oh, this fucking brewery is Foul Mouthed by the bomb. It's called Bomb Diggity IPA 2, as in shit. Yeah. Number two. <laughs> I'm just trying to use Foul Mouth words. Bomb Diggity IPA 2, colon, Seagull be quiet. Yeah, it's really fucking We random. ignored the seagull part for this. Because it doesn't make they sense. They do. For us. There is a boat scene later, and there could have very well been seagulls there. Oh, there definitely were. And it was oh. brewed in Portland, fucking Maine. So I picked this up in Agunquit, Maine, last summer. Uh-huh. And by the way, they definitely get a boat somewhere around that area. Well, not technically in Agunquit, Maine. Well, they but land, they nor, land in Maine. more in northern Maine. Do they actually like get on a boat and then they end up taking the boat into what they're trying to get to Canada? Uh-huh. I guess. Anyway, it totally in this area happens in the in in the in the story. Ogunquit? Ogunquit, yeah. Ogunquit. I think it's pronounced Oconquo is the guy's yeah, name. That's different not guy. called Oconquo. It's called Ogunquit. <laughs> Ogunquit, yeah. It is a very that. nice, like, tourist seaside town. 6.8% Abv Ale. It's pretty good. It has it's a nice, fruity yeah. kind of almost a... It's got a Floral very, very and fruity, fruity yeah, I would yeah. say. That's nice. Portland is an amazing beer city. This is our first foul-mouthed. I've never had these before. I've never seen it before either. It's kind it's of like a you, sli- they, slightly creamy fruity. They definitely, yeah. at least I'm pretty sure they don't distribute down in New York. It's too far away. Banana. That's fair. Yes. Yeah. Okay. There's like a spicy kind of thing in here. So her, her pseudo-parents get blown up. And then she gets... Oh, yeah, bomb diggity. That's what we're talking about. <laughs> she gets whisked away so, into the underground. And long well, story no, short... The, the other like parent's friend comes to pick her up at school and yeah. says, I have something I need to tell you. Don't freak out. Just like Batman. But your parents are dead. <laughs> they were <laughs> like Batman. They're not uh, even your parents at school. But like they, the, they were blown up in a car. The, they got in their car outside, outside, the, outside the shop, and it blew up, and they're dead. Don't freak out. I'm going to take you somewhere... And we're gonna we're gonna like get you out of here. Just 
You Come just, with me. Just play along. Come kid. with me if you want to live. Exactly. So let's let's zoom through it until she gets back to the the place. So she ends up in anyway, the underground uh, lair, and they're told you have to go undercover, go to Gilead because you, you have to are pretend because you are baby Nicole. Oh, by the way, you're baby Nicole, and you have to go, and you have to go into Gilead and make contact you have to meet with our contact. Me with our contact, who's going to give you a whole bunch, who's going to give you damaging information. But the reason why you have to go is you're the one person they won't execute if you're caught. Because you're baby Nicole, they've been trying to get, get you back all these years. You're a major propaganda coup for them, so they will not kill you. So you must pretend to be, so they hook, they roll up with some dude, they like pretend, North. they pretend to be like homeless on the street. She's being abused and find the Pearl Girls, who are basically the missionaries. Daisy has to pretend that she's like suffering and she wants to go to Gilead, but she doesn't. She pretends she doesn't know she's actually being Gives them the hard sell. Gives them the hard sell. It takes two weeks. <laughs> and then um, basically they, they, they bring her back to Gilead. But the they Pearl Girls. Put that, but she has to have a tattoo on her arm so that the contact knows who she is. Which she has this, this is this is something never really explained. It doesn't well, she I mean has, I mean it's basically like, like the sign that says like this is the girl to give it to. Right? And yeah. she has a tattoo that is like a, an acrostic kind of cross like a cross actually I should say where it's the word love and God where the O's overlap in the form of a cross. It has to be in a raised scar tattoo on her arm. Yeah. And Not even like a tattoo, but like scarring, scarification, which is, you know, just making it like a scarring lettering, which is gross. Yeah, that sounds awful. And you know, it's like sharper objects. Yeah. Yeah, basically. Butthole rang out on my elbow. <laughs> <laughs> so the, uh, the, she gets the tattoo and the Pearl Girls are like, oh, you're, you'll come with us. And she goes back with them. And she is received into the Ardua Hall. Through a series of adventures where... Agnes back home is supposed to be betrothed to um, Commander Judd. Yeah, so but the she's evil, like eh, the evil stepmother. I don't do that. Uh, well, the she, evil. We skip some stuff, right? Her yeah, mother we, dies. She witnesses. Oh, well, then stuff, she yeah. gets the new stepmother, who's a real piece of shit. And then there's a handmaid who dies uh, in pumps childbirth. Out a kid. Oh, or well, they, not, they, not they, only dies in childbirth, they kill the baby out. But yeah. yeah, so not only not only so um, at, they don't really have good doctors. So by the time they get a doctor over to see the handmaid who's trying to give birth, the doctor says, we can only save, we'll save one of them. We can save the handmaid or we can save the baby. And they go, oh, we'll definitely save the baby. So they literally just basically cut the mother open to save the baby and then let the mother die. Yeah. And, 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 baby, and you know what, 12-year-old or whatever, 11, 12-year-old Agnes or my mom, like witnesses this and is very kind of traumatized by it. Also traumatized when she's molested by her dentist. Yeah. Uh, but he's why, the why best dentist in the world. But with the, 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 when the handmaid friend, dies... The, the dentist... Hold on. Kid we'll go, is before, one of her yes, before the dentist... When the handmaid dies, that's the first time Agnes Jemima sees that Gilead is not what it claims to be. Because she sees that they're like, oh, she gave herself in service, this handmaid. And she's like, well, she didn't. She was, you just did this to her. She yeah. gets the first glimpse that this place is not what it purports to be. And that seed doesn't blossom until much later, but that's an important scene for her because then mm-hmm. she says, I went back and I looked up who she was in the weird Mormon, Mormon tabernacle records we have where you could look up everybody's real name. 
Yeah, they the, have it all the, saved. The but that's much later. That's much later. No, but she says that's in that idea. scene, I looked her up and I found out her real name was Crystal. Oh, yeah. Because she's, mm, she's yeah. reflecting through her story. Yeah, it's all, like, it's these all are the things memory. that I lived through and this is what happened. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it's not a diary. It's just a, a recollection at the end of the journey. And it's a deposition. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. It's the witness testimony. Yeah. And But then the dentist is a real... He's a really great dentist. But he fucks kids. Yeah, he like uh, he, he pinches her nipple and jacks off on her, basically, or jacks off in no, front of her. No, he uh, takes his dick out, feels her up, and like makes her hold his dick. But he jacks off. Oh yeah. Meanwhile, the, this dentist's daughter is 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 Agnes Jemima's like one of her best friends, Becca, named, named Becca. Uh, and around that same time, because she's still only like twelve, thirteen, uh, they're about to be like both of them are essentially about to be married off. First, Agnes Jemima is being married off because her like you know evil stepmother is like I want to get rid of this kid, and she's going to be married off to Commander Judd, who's like a really totally awful person, but super high ranking, super high ranking, like literally the highest high ranking because he's the head of the Eyes, which is basically the spy service, the the, the yeah. Eichmann. He's the real Eichmann in 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 Gilead, and then Becca is going to be married off to, and she's terrified, so and it's and of course it's really like kind of hinted at that she was probably molested, was molested by, by her, her father. By her dad, yeah. That's yeah. why she's so terrified of being married. Of penises. Specifically of, uh, penises. Uh, yeah, basically. But, I mean, she's still only like 13, too. And she's been molested as a child. So, Can I just you know, say, that there's, there's this scene gave the... I know we play the, the game of that's a great band name. One of the best ones that came out of this was the scene where Becca tried... She wants to kill herself. She, they're in like floral arranging class. Oh, the, 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 the puckators, the secateurs, or whatever. Secateurs. She cuts her wrist open, but afterwards, the 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 ants are talking about it, and they say, "Oh yeah, sometimes you know we get a little too strong, and they don't react." And one says, "Yes, the thought experiment penises can get out of control." And they're like, Thought experiment penises. <laughs> That's the greatest band name I've ever fucking heard. It's like a Modesky Martin and Wood cover band. I don't know what any of that meant, but sure. It's jazzy. I know them. Yeah, yeah. They're but great. thought experiment. Hey, we're the thought experiment penises. I actually saw them in concert last year. Yeah. So you experienced thought experiment penis. I did, yeah. It was a weird concert. <laughs> <laughs> I, thought, I was like, that. I, 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 I saved that note. This chair is uncomfortable. Very bad. <laughs> but so she, in the she end, tries to kill herself, but she, she finds refuge in the ants. She's she like, says, I have a higher calling. I want to be an ant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And also, Agnes doesn't want to marry this old shit who clearly kills off all of his wives, child wives. He says, I also want to be an aunt. Cool. And Aunt Lydia, who this whole time is scheming, says, yes, I need them for my scheme. Let's make them ants. But actually, Aunt Lydia tells yeah, she, 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 Jemima she, to she's do playing, it. She's yeah. basically playing puppet master. She is. But she, Agnes, uh, Becca go, Becca's like, I can't, I can't. And, like, well, and, and this is where you see like the glimpse of the humanity that's still left in the people who, who operate the system, one of the answers is like, well, hint, hint, have you, do you feel a higher calling where you shouldn't be married at all? Yeah. She's like, yeah. There's like a that's few ants. That's definitely what I do. Like yeah. the, ants, the ants that teach the young kids' schools are basically just like, maybe you don't want to be raped. Yes? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. I didn't know that was a choice. Yeah. But then Aunt Lydia presents that very directly to Agnes Jemima. Yeah. Yes. And she's like, you need to say this. And it is a puppet master thing. The, her machinations of the, the whole scene. She's, she, she's the only one actually playing four-dimensional chess. Yeah. But, but in, yeah, she's playing it very well, too. And then they all join the ants, and then it takes two Except, and then, and then she's like, what about your, your, your other friend, the really 
the really bitchy one. Shunamite. Would she be a good wife for Commander Judd? Oh, yeah. No, she would really like only that. wants to marry like, the, the, the most, highest powered guy she can. Yeah, she wants the most deaths. And she ends up you know, getting slowly poisoned. With rat poison. Yeah. Like, very obviously. Yeah, he's poisoning all, all the other wives he's killed off pretty like subtly, but this one is like, ah, whatever, just shoot her with a gun. Like she fell down. A, one fell down a flight of stairs and broke her neck. Onto some bullets. <laughs> she fell into them, yeah. Yeah. She was going very fast. She ran into my knife. <laughs> Over, like, 36 times. Was it from Chicago? It was from Chicago, right? Yeah, it was. He ran into my knife 36 times. Whatever it was. That was a bunch of times, yeah. Um, yeah, so... It, but Fell but, onto some bullets is from Mystery Man. Oh, yeah. He fell down an elevator shaft onto some bullets. <laughs> but Aunt Lydia is... She's like, okay, that's collateral damage, that kid. Fuck her. Yeah. She wasn't that great. Well, she comes in use later. Eventually, it's clear that the plot is being poisoned. Oh, yeah, that point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Shunamite's being poisoned, and then they get her out and they put her in the hospital. And Judd's like, I need a new wife. And she's like, and uh, Lydia's like, yeah, I don't think she's going to recover. Wink, wink, wink. He's like, we have to get her into the hospital, make sure nothing happens to you. Nothing happens to her while she's with you to avoid suspicion. He's like, good call. The other thing that happens throughout all this is that Lydia reveals the background of how she got to this position, yeah. which I actually found that to be the most fascinating part of the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just like being held in the stadium and tortured. The, th- the thank tank? The thank tank was fun. Well, yeah, well, first, like, it also describes a similar scene that happened in, in Handmaid's Tale, which is, like, the day that the Gilead basically takes over, and they basically, and they make... Illegal in the course of one day, they make it illegal for women to both work and have their own money. Everything goes to your next closest male relative. And so, I just want to say, I think I'm pretty sure I said this in the other episode, which was you know a long time ago. But so, pretty much, you know, what happens is they make it a law that women can't work and can't have their own money. Margaret Atwood originally wrote that in like 1983, 1984. That's literally what happened in Afghanistan when the Taliban won the civil war in Afghanistan and then they literally just made overnight made it illegal for women to work and then they all had to just stay in the home so this is like a really amazing thing that Margaret Atwood like basically predicted anyway she describes the same thing again but these are like highly you know professional women she's a lawyer and she's a judge and they come in and, and literally the guard, the Gilead guards or whatever you want to call them, the Gilead the goons. They're total the angels. They're the Gestapo. But, they're, exactly. but, they're, but she says that when she describes this scene, they're like wearing fucking basically Halloween costumes of soldiers. Mm-hmm. Like they're yeah. total yeah. douchebags. You know, one, before they established everything. They're they're like but a, they, but the they have fat, a list. The foot soldiers revolutionaries, yeah. They have a list of names. Like, who's this woman and who's this woman? It's like, oh, come with us. The two, like, most senior women. Well, they're big lady brain. They're like, come with us. And then, like, and, and pretty much, like, basically, like, hold all the women captive in, like, a high school gymnasium, was a it? Stadium. It's a football stadium. stadium football stadium. Like a giant stadium. And there aren't, aren't even bathrooms. You know, it's basically... off by job tortured, I mean, tortured in, like, the psychological tortured sense. You're not even allowed to, you know, you're, like, subject to humiliation because you're, have to, you have to basically pee yourself. They have to watch their other women get executed every day. Yeah. Like, lined up and shot. Or, or even, like, participate in it. Well, that's the... Later that's on, the they, see, they, they, they see, like, people, other women in the firing squads just like, how could they do this? And the chance of one is like, I get it. You know, from, well, from what I understand, the, the way they get, the way that, you know, child soldiers in Africa, the way they, the way they get people to, like, participate or convince them to join is like they they basically force people into shooting other people and then oh now you're already guilty now you're already a murderer 
Why don't you just now. why nothing to lose now? Why don't you join it? And that's like one of the like psychological things that's that they do to people break them. to get them to like go along with these horrible things. There was the one badass woman who shot the guy instead, and then and they immediately, immediately killed down. her. But you know, though they say was... that you know in the firing squads they give them like some people have blanks, some people have actual yeah. bullets. So they never said actually if she actually killed anybody, she just shot well, someone. Judd, uh, no, she shot a guy. She shot at a, she shot a guy, and then they, she was bludgeoned and shot. I thought I thought this would happen. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I, I guess they didn't say that he died, so I assumed maybe they fucked with her. So I don't know. Mm. But then uh, we find out later that much much later that Lydia had a blank. But yes. she had to shoot at the person she knew. Her friend. Anita yes. was in the line. Her other law The partner, other judge. The judge, yeah. And she's, I never knew what she said or didn't say to get put here on the line. She didn't make it through the think tank. Right, because so, so then they pull her off eventually, and they take her into the office, and it's Judd. And he says, he asks her like a bunch of questions, and, you know, she's not obsequious. She just kind of, she has like, well, I'm, he said, do you want to work with us or something like that? And she said, well, I'm a lawyer. I'm not going to sign a contract without reading it. What does that mean? And he goes, thank tank. And then they just take her away into a dark prison cell. Solitary confinement. For days. Until your brain melts. Beat the shit out of her. They tase and, and, her. And they like have a whole file on her already. And one of the things I have in a file is like, oh, you had an abortion when you were blah, blah, blah. She's like, yes, yes, I did. How does, is that information even that easy to find, though? So, I, I mean, if it should over be a country, if, you can get if medical, records. medical records are kept private, but, you know, if there's no freedom anymore, then the government like, can right, find but, that but out. Medical, medical, but, like, they're not... But you got this sense that they weren't that organized in the beginning. Like, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I, mean, I, I, I mean, I'm not going to question this, the whole story. I'm like, sure that they could have gotten access to someone's medical records. But they found it for millions of women? No, just... I don't think Gilead was that big. It's several states. Yeah. I mean, yeah, okay, I guess they're Maybe right. a million women. But they didn't, I mean, they just mostly killed most of them. Well they, well, they have to find out who they are and who is decent and who could, but basically what ends up happening is she goes to the think tank, then they take her out of that after torturing her, and she's very specific, so they didn't rape me because I was probably too old, Yeah. and then they put her in like a, a holiday inn, like a shitty hotel, and it's like a Shangri-La. She's like, this is amazing. At one point when they're in the, in the stadium, she's like, my theory at night, they clogged the toilets on purpose so it would be so disgusting for us because that's how awful it was. It's but, possible. And she's in there and she's like, I just took showers and showers and then my clothes were gone and the only thing left was the, the brown you know, burlap suit of the female accomplices. I said, what else was I going to do? I had to put them on. And then she gets put in position with three other uh, ants to construct the women's world of Gilead. And this begins yeah. her long game of how do I assert dominance and control and play everybody off of each other and not get killed. Because she says, like, I had been poor and from a shitty place and no one went to college. She was trash. Yeah, and I had to figure this, I had to survive a tough world and I climbed up and now I'm going to, all right, I'll climb out of this world too. Which I thought that was a, an interesting thing at the very least. Yeah. It was definitely a different perspective on her from the first book. Yeah. Where she was the worst. She was, you know, one of the villains. She was a simple, she was a, what the fuck is a collaborator, basically. Well, she was a collaborator in this too. Yes. But there was no sense of what she was after, which I guess we don't know if she was after it until, yeah, we, we don't know if she was, like, if she was planning this from the get-go, it's impossible to know. Well, one of the things that it's, it's, it's her, um, it's her It's her story. version of things. So it's hard to know what the veracity of it is. Oh, yeah. 
This is called Veracity, double yeah, IPA. Really excited. Double dry hopped, double IPA. 8.7% alcohol from Decadent Ales. Yeah, so you don't know, and this is the thing that comes back at the very end of the book with the professors. They don't know, is this a forgery? Is this somebody claiming to be her? Is this her? Is she telling the truth? We can't really... And who was this Aunt Lydia person anyway? Like, yeah, that's even unclear to them because right. it's so far in the future. And there's no records. There were, and they said there are no records of women because they were not taught to read and write. Only ants were allowed. So there's like a gener- yeah. there's a generation of women who are illiterate. They have no memoir, or two maybe generations. Who knows how long it took for Gilead to crumble? I mean, they said it was 15 years after... The very the, end of the book, it sounds like Gilead is crumbling. So it's probably like 20 years-ish. Sure, but that's so. You have twenty years where there's women who have not learned how to. Certainly, young girls who have never learned to read or write. Yeah, mm-hmm. and the and also Aunt Lydia mentions this at some point, and this is just textbook totalitarianism. You kill the intelligentsia because they mm-hmm. are the ones that could criticize you or question what you're doing. So they've really eliminated the people who could leave a record. And the professor's like, "Well, we don't really know for sure, um, but we'll get to it later." What do you think of the beer? It's good. Yeah, it's, it's, just, it's got a slightly yeah. bitter aftertaste, but you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's it's pretty good. I dig it. Yeah, it's nice. So this is a, this is a very complex plot, and we're going to take like six hours to explain. We should probably just rush through. Yeah, we should rush through. I mean, I'll trust you guys. So, uh, uh, like, okay, here's the rest. Daisy is now back in Gilead. She's now in Gilead, and she has like kind of pretending that she's going to try and become an aunt and aunt and aunt. Lydia knows, oh, this is baby June, and we're like, Nicole. oh my, this baby is an, Nicole. A, baby Nicole, sorry, this is baby Nicole. What's baby June from? I don't June, June is, is the mother. Oh, the mother. Oh, right, yeah, that's the mother. Anyway, and so uh, Lydia puts uh, Jade with Aunt Jemima. <laughs> that should have been her fucking name. Yeah, should have been her name. Her name should have been Aunt Jemima. <laughs> with Agnes Jemima and Becca, <laughs> who now have named new names aunts, which is Aunt, Aunt Victoria and Secret. And it's Victoria and Aunt Secret. <laughs> yeah, that, that was, it was Immortel. She's, she's Aunt Immortel, Victoria, yes. and Becca is Aunt Immortel. Yeah. And uh, Jade is not given an aunt name, but in, when they're smuggling yeah. out, she's taking the, Aunt Immortel's place. Yeah. Oh, right, yes. And yes, Becca yes. hides in the water cistern and dies. She kills herself. Death letter, yeah. She, she, she sacrifices herself. Yeah. So anyway, they like do this whole thing. They're like, and it's... But Becca hates also, Jade. She's the worst roommate in the history of Gilead. Oh, yeah. She's like... What are you grunting and thumping about? I'm working weird. out. A woman's body is not to be exercised. Like, what do you mean? Because one of yeah. the things that she learned yeah, yeah, was... Yeah, here's, here's how you throw a heart-stopping punch. No foreshadowing. Yeah. Anyway, while this is happening, uh, Agnes Jemima is also getting these secret notes in the pancakes. library. <laughs> Pancake recipes. That's all it is. Anyway, oh, by the she way, we should do have that planned. Once making pancakes? No, Argan Atwood. You can't make someone like her name is as Jemima. She's going to be an aunt. <laughs> <laughs> like, like those two words don't go together that at be, all. That's a Freudian slip right there. Uh, <laughs> they work with Uncle Ben. <laughs> uh, anyway, and Agnes, Flapjack. <laughs> Agnes Jemima is now has learned to read, by the way, because she's not taught to learn to read until she's like in her mid-teens. Oh, and they, their first job is to it's on the children's books yeah. to paint handmade and wife costumes on. Yeah, basically longer the, skirts yeah. over the girls. Paint down to their like ankles that. and wrists. Paint, make them more nice dresses on Dick and Jane books <laughs> from the 50s, 30s. Yeah. 
I mean, this is Probably this 50s. is supposed to be the relatively near future, I guess, because it's twenty. But, I mean, like, but like the old so books that they're using, it's almost are old books. it's almost like The Handmaid's Tale takes place in actual nineteen eighty four, and The Testament takes place in actual twenty nineteen. But just there's an, an alternate history timeline, huh? but more or less today. Uh, anyway, so she's actually learning to read, and she's getting all these like secret records put into her like books, and her records are like all this like secret stuff where, where uh. Uh, Agnes Jemima, plant, planting all this information, plants like, oh, here's the actual your actual family tree, and you are so not only are you are you know uh, weren't born to what is, what's Tabitha. her name Tabitha and Kyle, but you're actually baby Nicole's sister because baby Nicole is actually you know we, you know the, the handmaid you know your mother became a handmaid but then she had baby Nicole but then escaped finds that out finds out also all these secrets about all the other top. Commanders and the commanders' wives, and how they've been like murdering each other, and and that her evil stepmother Mm -hmm. probably actually murdered her husband so that she could marry her, marry the guy she ended up marrying, and that guy probably married her mother. They were probably having an affair together before, and that is common among the commanders and the commanders' wives. And that, and she finds out all these horrible things. Meanwhile, you find out, oh, you know, baby Nicole is told, oh, you're baby Nicole. Oh, really? Oh, my God. That's so amazing. And then find out that Aunt Lydia is actually the source inside Gilead. It's going to provide all this information cause to Jade because she has the tattoo. And then she they like... like a, a basically what they call a micro dot, which is like a tiny computer thing. I pictured a that's, googly eye. Basically, yeah. You know, like all those googly eye things yeah. like from Arts and Crafts? Like a similar It's size. that, but if you put like a jeweler's loop to it, you yeah. could read a lot of... It's like microfiche. Sticks, sticks it in her fucking In the arm. tattoo, yeah. Anyway, and that then tells the, them, and then it's like, now you need to escape. But that was the the one scene, I was like, that could have gone really badly, where Jade sits, the Aunt Lydia calls her in, and Jade's like, yeah, all right. So are you the source? And she's like, you must guard your tongue, child. Like, dude, shut the fuck up. Yeah, you need that, to happens, that happens for like the whole part while Jade's in there. He's like, you're the worst spy in the world. Yeah, I mean, to be really fair, suck. she's a fucking 16-year-old girl. Put about six hours of training. Yeah. yeah. She's, so a, she's, like she's not a good spy. Of, she shouldn't be a good two spy. Two Tai videos, and now she's a spy. <laughs> so she does that. Yeah. But it's just like, man, okay, yeah, she's, she's really bad at this. But that part, but Aunt Lydia had all the patience in the world for her, which is how you knew that Aunt Lydia, even before it yeah. was fully, fully revealed. You knew that Aunt Lydia was the was the was the guy. Yeah, you kind of got that because she's like, I've been accumulating secrets. I'm going to bring them down. Maybe you'll judge me. Who, if you're, you know, she's always talking to the reader. She's breaking the fourth wall a lot. Yeah, well, it's it's, it's yeah, she's leaving a record for posterity. Why I did this, the things I did. Maybe you won't believe it. Maybe this won't work, and this will be burned and I'll be executed. We'll see. Ha 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 ha. So they sent they sent the two girls out as yeah, Agnes and Jade, Nicole, Nicole as oh, yeah. as um pro girls. Whatever it is, they, smuggle, they, they, they tell them you're going to go do this thing, but because Gilead would never let Baby Nicole out of their grasp, they actually have to say you have to pretend to be Becca, who is actually Aunt Immortal. Immortal. But does that but mean something in Becca? French? I is that immortal. I mean, we've been wrong before about French words. I mean, that's pretty. That's too close not to be that. Well, I remember we did. What was it Pesh Mortel? And we we're like, is that mortal peach? It means mortal sin. I learned later on. So I don't know if, if you know, it just might look like, like a, it. It's, I, well, mean, I never took French. Pesh, Pesh, Pesh means peach, but it it's does. probably like an idiom. It's like piccata is sin in No, that's Latin. kind of chicken. No, piccata, <laughs> piccata is sin in Latin. <laughs> so anyway, and so 
Becca has to like, oh, what? I need you to like hide for two days so that they can get out and she can pretend to be you. And so they managed to get out by taking the bus to New Hampshire, up, up, up 95, Where they up still to the bus to New Hampshire, die. what is clearly part of Gilead at the time. The Pesh thing's about accents. That's why I don't fucking know anything. Oh, One has okay. a, like, a fucking stupid carrot. Circumflex. The hat. One has the, like the the pagoda, the hat, and, yeah. and the other one has like a pagoda, a pagoda, and uh, the other one has two dash, like the two little other guys, okay. the two little Peche. wayward uh, apostrophes going up to the right. Peche? Yeah, that's Peche, not Pesh. I don't fucking take French. I don't fucking know shit. Well, there you go. I technically it, did take French, and I still don't know shit. So I uh, did. I'm still going with Peach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it still sounds like Peach to me. Uh, anyway, so they managed to. <laughs> it's all Peach to me. The two oh, girls do manage to escape by up the taking pits. the by by taking the bus to New Hampshire, and then somebody gives them a ride. Who's in the underground? This railroad. is how, by the way, how Nate gets to see his family at, at uh, Thanksgiving. Yeah, this is what I have to do too. <laughs> Looks like a June moon. Oh, you're here to see them. Okay. Yes. <laughs> no, it's, it's more like a May day. It's so warm for a May day. He's like, kid, it's fucking October. Then there's a June moon? Yeah, okay, let's just go. Let's go. <laughs> Finally, you're here. What the fuck took you so long? That fucking bus sucks. Yes. I can corroborate that. It does suck. <laughs> uh, anyway, they, they like somewhere on the coast of Maine, they're putting a boat, and the boat is going to take them up to Canada. And the whole boat ride is this whole long thing. And then the boat has like engine trouble, and they don't want to get caught, and they end up putting the girls out into a little into a life raft. Jade's full sepsis from her microchip insertion, yeah. which is not supposed to be inside your body. But then they have to like row in the middle of a storm and they're finally rescued. He's like, watch out for the fog, drowning, hypothermia, and, you know, the theocracy you're and fleeing. And Rush fans. <laughs> <laughs> they don't like girls. It's been one week since they've seen you because that band is also from, uh, yeah, right. they're also from Canada. Bare naked ladies. Okay. And uh, something about Celine Dion. I don't know. <laughs> Wayne Gretzky. And she'll be waiting for you. And, and their hearts will go on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and anyway, so they do manage to get rescued, and then they finally meet both their both of them meet their real mother. And they're like, it was still never named. It was never it's still never named in the book. But it's they're just kind of like, implied. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, in the in the old the professor's thing, they say it hasn't been. It can't be. I forget how it's phrased, but they're like, then, we don't wait, know. Wait, hold on. We don't know if it's the mom. And then, just like in the original Handmaid's Tale, the final chapter of the book is actually a academic symposium like about Gilead, later. which is like you know, literally far, far it's like in the in future. Like Twenty one sixty nine. Twenty one ninety seven. I think. Uh, and it's, they're like it's they're fucking like way out there. History professors just talking about. Well, we have this document that we can't and totally verify, but we. But this is I what believe, we believe it's it real. might be. I really like the corny jokes in there. Uh, where they're like, we will have the, we're doing a, a tour tomorrow of Gilead historical sites, and we will have a photo shoot. Please let's not have a repeat of last year with the insensitive costumes. The other one was like, and we are uh, have these things. I wish I had the dates, but they don't. We're about within 30 years, which is about as accurate historians get. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot for applause. Yeah, there's a lot of smug douchiness. <laughs> But they didn't have any tapes that were like Twisted Sister live at Carnegie Hall yeah. or something like that. Wasn't that the first? They did talk about the uh, the digital black hole or whatever, the digital dark age, where it's like all the stuff nowadays is digital, so there's no printed records or anything, so they just don't fucking know what happened for a lot of time. And that was a, I wasn't sure if that was like hyper-realistic or super-unrealistic, that everything could just vanish for a century. It well, can it, definitely vanish. Absolutely. Like if, okay, if they imagine down, right now... You know, if the entire internet and all computers connected to the internet basically, like, die. 
Yeah, but what, right, right now, what, what event could cause that? That co- wouldn't and, also and, and, cause and, the end of every other bit of civilization. Well, they a, took over Washington, D.C. and burned everything. Sure, okay. And the thing that would take down the internet would be a coronal mass ejection, which would mean, which is a... It's like a solar flare that would just w- turn off every computer? Well, it is a incredibly powerful, like, magnetic field that would literally kind of... It, so, the last one that Earth experienced was in 1859, and it fried the telegraph cables across North America. But telegraph cables were, like, really simple, it can be replaced, and it wasn't that big of a deal. But the, the computers are so sensitive... It would fry all the satellites in orbit, and it would fry like the entire electrical grid and a lot of really and a lot of computers, just totally fried. All the records on them, mostly gone. And so, this is a thing that not only can happen, will will happen, but it happens on like geologic time scale. So it could be a thousand years, could be ten thousand years, or it could happen tomorrow. You, you don't know. But um, we're gonna lose all our episodes. We will lose all our episodes. <laughs> we will have to re-record. Tens of people will be sad. We will have to record all our episodes. So have to drink another thousand so beers. And we can just, every episode we can just drink uh, Coronas. <laughs> for everyone. It's a Corona edition. It's another Corona for this book we already did. Anyway, if, if a really big war or a really big like, catastrophe that really, that really you know, damages a lot of stuff, a lot of records could be gone. I mean, they also, when Gilead took over, it was kind of a thing where they would destroy, they, they want to destroy any records, previous yeah. knowledge. So one of the things Margaret Atwood says in the acknowledgments is for the show, they never did anything that doesn't have a historical precedent. The burning of records and stuff like that, that is a very historically precedented thing. The early Christians did that in Rome. They burnt all sorts of shit during the later days of the Roman Empire and shortly afterwards. Anything that was vaguely, in their sense, heretical, you know, because it was polytheistic or whatever. So they destroyed forever many works of literature, of philosophy, of science, of whatever, because it was written by a dude who prayed to the wrong invisible man. Yeah. So that part makes sense. But that existed in a world... Sure, but that existed in a world where there was there are there's one scroll, there's one of this scroll, you know. I mean, there's going to be you know people have a general sense of the world, but it seems like in in this world, everything on Earth went to shit. It wasn't just America, like there was a Canada global, seems unscathed. I mean, we don't really know. We know that like they don't treat people like slaves. We know they have thrift shops. Yeah, but we don't know that. <laughs> so they're doing okay. That's, that's we, all we, we know. We, we don't know, we know that they don't have the same... Like, everyone had the plague of not being able to give birth. Like, the rest of the Earth might have gone to shit, too, maybe to different degrees or different ways, but we, they might just not know. Sure. We, it, it flushes out a little bit. They have, like, a few paragraphs of mention about what happened to America, but it doesn't really describe the rest of the Earth. It's not like just America will have this fucking plague and not be able to have babies. That's true. You do find out that America split into, like, four or five countries. Right? There's yeah. Gilead, there's Texas, of course. There's the Western yeah. states, so California, the Western, states. and then there's like it was like the hill country or something like that it was Missouri Some and shit. something with like hill in there. There was a bunch of like smaller areas that basically broke apart, and this was a long region. But yeah. in in the future, when they talk about the reunification of the United States, so at some point they get back together. So let's open this last beer because I have a question about this. It's called original sin. It's a, it's not our original sin; it's our second episode sin, but. We did have this so, before. I bought this. This is called Original Sin Premium Hard Cider because this is one of the things I brought for our 
Handmaid's Tale episode. I don't even remember And, that, you know, cider is delicious, so decided we'd have it again. This is just like uh, apple juice for grown-ups. Yep, I'm down with it. Delightful. I will drink 14 of these. <laughs> it's very nice. I bought, uh, when I was in, when, uh, in the, the Green Mountain State, I got some sweet ciders up there because they just, you know, they have nothing they else to do. fucking shit out apples. <laughs> some banging cider up there. So I need to, I, I had for the first time a barrel-aged ice cider. It was like, they, they made, like, you know, like ice wine, you like freeze out the fucking water. Oh, like brew dog stuff. Well, but, but you, with ice wine, you do it before you brew it. Like you like freeze the grapes or something. I don't even fucking understand. The guy was like, no, that's not it at all, bro. And then they aged it in apple berry. It's like apple apple brandy barrel, which is like aging, I mean, within its own thing, you know? Like, it's kind of weird. It's incestuous. <laughs> it's like if you did a turducken, but it's three chickens with an egg inside. You know, I don't really understand <laughs> how that works. Chicken cubed. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Quad chicken. I do love a good quad chicken. So what's your question? Uh, my question is, why was this book put out now? I have. I, I think I know what the answer is, but I'm curious. Well, what you have to say. Okay, if I had to guess, it's because Margaret Atwood spent a couple of years working on The Handmaid's Tale television show and sure. saw that it was, like, popular, and she spent just a couple of years thinking about it and, like, you know, what would happen next and what are other stories, especially because season two and season three went into new stories that happened to take place in The Handmaid's Tale universe or Handmaid's Tale Alternate timeline or whatever you want to say. Stories because they happen like concurrent, yeah. like one after another, as opposed to this one, which is the end. You know, of and and I I would guess she both was thinking about it, so she was wondering. She had to. I'm sure she had to have been asking herself, what would a next book look like? And of course, the show is popular, so I can like write this now, and it'll sell a lot of copies, and you know. I can make oh, a bunch of money on sure, that. Do you, yeah. Both of those things. Do you think it had anything to do with the, you know, not to get too political, but... I'm trying to bait that. Yeah, I figured you would. Uh, <laughs> well, because I really... No, I, 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 I understand. I really want to know. But it, it, basically, it's, you know, the... Not the... The resurgence of fundamental Christian Christianity in our government Thanks here. to Trump's election. <laughs> Thanks to Pence's election. So here's, and Trump's election. So, so here... Okay, so that's what I expected you to say. And... I mean, I'm just, I'm, I, don't, I don't know if it is that, but I'm saying, is it that? I, because I figured that's what you're asking. I think, but I, well, I think a lot of people, there have been a lot of, like, as soon as Trump was elected, and again, just for the record, uh, none of us here are particularly, uh, uh, no one here is a Trump fan. No one here, I, I, I'm the most conservative guy here, and I didn't fucking vote for him. But just to make our conversations more interesting, it's not, it's not so fun if we all agree on everything. Mm-hmm. There are people who, like, dress up as handmaids and go on, on, protests and, and marches it, about Trump. And, yes. And, I mean, and, the handmade stuff is more about Pence. Well, it's about well, okay. abortion. It's, it's about abortion, it and it's you're definitely going to see that a lot more in the near future because the Supreme Court, like a big abortion case, just got taken up by the Supreme Court, and we're, I don't remember exactly when this episode is going to be published, but, you know, before, the, before next June, before the end of the Supreme Court's turn, term, they will probably either overturn the right to an abortion or very much restrict it. So that is, you will see a lot of people dressed up as handmaids in the next couple months. But but here's the thing. What exactly does Roe v. Wade entail? It does not entail the right to an abortion. Well, it says not at federal, any time. It says that the federal government can't 
make a restriction on it. But so it'll no, keep no, back that's to the not what it says. It's no, that is not what it says. The Roe v. Wade says that in the first trimester, out of right, the, the, it is between the decision is between a woman and her doctor. In the first trimester, first trimester. In the second trimester, the state can begin to put on restrictions to abortion. Right. Okay. That's what it says. It was supposed to be a compromise when it was written, and I totally that, support that's it. What it, the was, way so it was. That's, that's what it was supposed I, to be for what it is. I mean, I don't know if you saw that one of the recent Dave Chappelle specials on Netflix. He said he has this thing about abortion. He says, uh, "Here, you know, an abortion. I don't really care what you think, but if you have a dick, you need to shut the fuck up on this." And I kind of agree. I I totally get that. Like, I know, like. I'm not going to tell you what to fucking do. What likely the Supreme Court will do is they will not say abortions are illegal, period. What they will probably do is they will send it, will basically say the federal government will not make a law on this, that, that it will be left up to the states and the states, because that's the way it was before Roe v. Wade, largely, which was states could make their own laws, abortion legal, not legal, based right, on what they want. Okay. And so likely what will happen is States that are already very liberal, you know, New York, California, and stuff like that, women will will be left mostly the same. But in these states that are mostly Republican, all access to abortion will be completely restricted. It is likely what will happen. I mean, it is possible. It is not totally impossible, but it's very unlikely that the Supreme Court will make all abortions illegal. It's very unlikely. I don't know if they have... Do they have the authority to do such a thing? Yes. Yeah, the, the Supreme Court. But the Supreme Court can't preclude a thing in the future. They could just react to a law that exists. Well, the they law will that exists find is Roe v. Wade. They it? will find Roe v. Wade is a Supreme Court ruling. Roe v. Wade isn't a law. They will find a like constitutional rationale for making abortions making abortions illegal. They will say it violates. They will say it violates the right to life. Period. That's what they will do, and they it's will say like it was based nine on the and Constitution. Last time, so. And they will. They it was. Will, was it? It was. I think it was. Was it? I don't know. Roe v. Wade. I don't remember. But it was. Here's the thing. Know. The funny thing. That it wasn't. It was all white men. Yeah, well, so true. you know, when people are like tell men not to tell me what to do with my body, they're like, well, they told you you could have Roe v. Wade. It is a little more complicated than people want to make it seem these days. Yeah, but the whole it was all white men thing is an irrelevant argument. What do you mean by that? Just because it was white men last time doesn't mean it's true. But I think that's just like a kind of trope we see these days. It's a trope. But it's and also not understand related it's to from. this. Sure, it's related. It's cherry picked. What it relates to. I mean, it's cherry picked on both sides. There's Absolutely. another. There's Absolutely. another connection to this actually. So you know, uh, did me. you notice the name of the, the, the in the in Gilead? The name of the library that they all went to. Arjula? The, Shaf- the Schlafly, Schlafly Cafe. Oh, she was against the Equal Rights Amendment. Right? She was Phyllis. the cousin of Schlafly Brewery. No, she yeah. was not. Really, she's a niece. Maybe cousin maybe or niece. She was. Maybe she was. Unrelated right. families. I mean, they are related families, but she's like they, the Schlafly Brewery said, "That is not us." She's like a different part of the family. We're not assholes, right? In nineteen, in basically the late nineteen seventies. So Phyllis Schlafly, which is a fun name, to a say. woman was more or less the most effective person to argue against the the most effective person at arguing against the Equal Rights Amendment. Arguing saying, for a very like, traditional view yeah, of men and women's yeah. roles in, in mm-hmm. the family. And right. she was a very important per- player in conservative politics for, since 19, from the late 1970s up until when she died in 2016. And there was like a very controversial thing. She died. She was, in, she was endorsing Trump, but everyone else was like, wow, no, you surprise. can't do that. But Phyllis Schlafly was totally in favor of endorsing Trump. Yeah. But then she died. 
Yeah, the, the, all of the things like also they go to the the Hildegard Library. Hildegard von Bingen is a female uh, was an abbess in like the year. Oh, the abbess open to let stuff out. As an abbess, <laughs> she was an abbess who composed music and you know wrote stuff and was like an exceptionally educated woman for her time. And according to at least two different beer nerd books I read, she's the person who thought of adding hops to beer. Which is an interesting connection. Really? That might be total bullshit because most beer books are not very well researched and I don't really check their sources. I can't imagine they source the decision to one person. But they might have just been like, there can only be one Hildegard who ever existed. You know, they could have... There was like six names back then. That's true. (laughs) But she was a female composer and, you know, wrote like very interesting kind of... When was this? Like the year in the the, the 11th century. Like the 1200s? Like the, the thousands. Yeah. Jesus. They were all about that guy. They liked him. You heard of him? So they, um, yeah. So, but here's the thing. For one of my coworkers, who is a huge, like, never, ever Trumper kind of person, which I respect that. That's your opinion. That's fine. She got tired of the Handmaid's Tale show. because like, it's just so obvious what they're doing, right? It's, like, so heavy-handed. It's, it's, about it's very right heavy-handed. She's like, it's kind of, like, I, I get to see this by watching the news. I want to see something different, which I get. So... I just, I just feel like the thing, like, is America going towards The Handmaid's Tale is a pretty unfair claim to make. As much, and I okay. don't like Trump's decision, and I personally, I've, I have mixed feelings about abortion because I have a kid, and it was not easy for my wife and I have a kid. So the moment we were expecting, and it was like a couple weeks in, we were like overwhelmed and happy. And for us, that was a baby, you know? So I understand that attitude. Um, I don't want to tell anybody else what to do with themselves, but I understand why some people think, like, that's a child now. So I have, I have mixed feelings on that. So I just feel like the, sh- the, the book is like, it just feels unfair to say, like, we're in America, we're going towards this. Okay. To say we're definitely headed in that direction, yeah, yeah, that is, like, totally crazy. But to say that the needle has inched from, like, the, the, from the side of, like, well, more rights and more freedoms towards something slightly more in the direction of The Handmaid's Tale, at least it seems the needle has swung the other way in terms of what is possible. Not like a lot necessarily, because clearly The Handmaid's Tale is a very extreme thing that is not going to happen. But the pendulum is swinging back the other direction. Not that it swung the other way very far. But aside from the issue of abortion, where else has it swung? No one wants to make speculative fiction about baby steps. I understand that totally. Yeah. It's, I, an, it's, it's, it's dystopian. It's got to be extreme. Thing, I can't. Yeah. But but this is a book that many people read. Or in the Handmaid's Tale, spikes of the Handmaid's Tale soared after the 2016 election, and they made a big show. The show was already in development yeah. beforehand, but whatever. Mm-hmm. People saw something or wanted to see something in it, right? And I, I'm just curious. I mean, it's like I always want to be difficult. What besides the issue of abortion? What other issue has it swung on? Totalitarianism. Totalitarianism is not, a, is not a male feminine thing. And I also no, no, it's know. not. The other book that completely sold out the week after Trump was got elected was 1984. And it's I, d- because I also don't see where's the totalitarianism in the Trump administration because I think they're too incompetent to be totalitarian. Like, that's, okay. I didn't know that at the time. Mm, okay. I think we suspected they were They are completely fucking incompetent. But despite their total, absolute, complete incompetence, 42% of the country still thinks it's a good thing. And, and there is a strong possibility that dis- 
that Trump could still win re-election. I think there's a strong likelihood he rewins, frankly. Like it, in like it is just so just so mind blowing that something this crazy could possibly continue, but yet it is a likely thing. When, and Trump has absolutely no regard for the rule of law. He has, he has no absolutely, understanding of it. Well, yeah, that is where he, why he has no regard for it because he doesn't understand the rule of law. Sure. It's all about him and himself yeah, and ego and power. And that's how one way that totalitarianism begins. This is like uh, what, uh, the banality of terror. What the banality fuck is of name? evil. Uh, Hannah, Hannah, Arendt. Hannah, Hannah Arendt. Exactly. This is like one of the things that Hannah Arendt talked about. It's like evil is fucking boring. It is stupid. It's about paper pushing. Except the evil dead was it, fun. <laughs> but that's how it, that is a large component of it. Uh, where's the totalitarianism though? Where is it? What is, what, 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 the what, absolute disregard for the rule of law. In what, and in, in terms of a cult of personality, a cult of personality around the leader. Okay, so that's Trump, where the, but the Trump needle, has been like that before he was president, though he's acting the same way. Yeah, but he had no political power before that. Okay, so he got elected, but that's how democracy works. Like you get elected. But the total disregard for rule of law, the Constitution, and checks and balances—that's absolutely untrue. We have tons of checks and balances, but they're not we working very of, well. No, no, no. It's fine. We have some craven Republicans in the in the Senate in the House who. Are in favor what, of it. Was, Lindsey Graham said something like, I want to be relevant. Right? He said something like that recently. Then they were like, why are you doing this? You were against it. They said, well, I want to be relevant. Yeah. So I understand that. But like, where have our rights been taken away? That's my real question. Like, I'm not defending Trump's actions, but like, I really want to know, like, what are we talking about? This was, the same, this was the same argument when Obama was running the second time when every Republican was like, they are taking our rights. We are losing he our freedom. A, I think that they were fucking wrong. He is wrong a then. socialist, communist, yeah, fascist he's a, he's a Muslim. Yeah, yeah. Muslim. And I think they were, and he was same. born in Kenya. I think they were yeah. wrong then. I, I don't agree you with think that. think Trump was born in Kenya? I don't think he could spell Kenya. C-A-N-Y-A. Kenya? <laughs> can you do this for me? <laughs> can you spell Kenya? Yeah. Can you touch this dick? <laughs> can, can, you, can you let me grab that pussy? He didn't ask that. He just did it. Good point. Fair. No, I, I'm not trying to argue with you guys. I, I just really, I'm because people, I think people like, are, we live in a very interesting time and people are very divided and people have very strong opinions, especially with people who live in, if you live in a city, if you live in a major city, you're going to be like, God damn it, Trump is the devil. And if you live in a rural area, you'd be like, Trump is great. It seems to be like, as far as polling seems to reveal. That's the way like the parties have sorted themselves out in the last Well, because they years. they have, either because they represent the interests of those people or they have made themselves to reflect the interests of those people. Uh, or, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. for whatever, I'm not going to impute uh, some nefarious intent on them, but that's the way it works. Um, people seem to be very, very divided. And a book like this, which I loved this book, I thought it was fantastic, and I love The Handmaid's Tale, some people are reading this and they're like, this is a mirror of our times. And I just don't see oh, no, it. That's too much. Uh, that's that's the part where that's where I get hung up, and I'm not trying to argue with you guys to say like to get into a political dis- dis- dispute. But uh, there are plenty of people, ho- like people who are not just like other schlubs like us, but people who are like writing for the for major news sources who are writing editorials and like this is a warning of what's to come under Trump's America. And like I just don't see it, so okay. I want to know what I'm missing. I haven't seen anyone say that, but it's probably out there somewhere. But no, I don't agree that that's what it is. Because there's a lot of stuff that has all historical precedent, but most of it is not in America. The only historical precedent really in the book that I saw was the fucking Salem Witch Trials, where a largely male group of people blamed women and the fallibility of women and the weakness of women and the 
you know, their their inability to control themselves for actions and punished women physically, that's totally in the Handmaid's Tale and in the Testaments. And that that's fair. That's a very fair thing. But that's 400 fucking years ago, well, 330 years ago. You know what I mean? So that's just where I get reading this and, like, and reading the buzz about it. That was my real question. And I'm not trying to argue with you. So sorry if it came up that way. I, when I was reading it, though, I, I really liked it too. I liked it a lot. And in fact, I would say it is a f- more fun book to read than Handmaid's Tale. In that, the plot of The Handmaid's Tale is actually kind of slow. Because, and whereas this book, because it's three different characters, there's really like more action happening because more action is happening to each of them and each of the and and I really so I really feel like more happens in this. In Handmaid's Tale, that was more everything was more implied. It spent than in, in like, Handmaid's Tale spent a lot more time describing the world. Yeah, and, just, and, every, nothing was ever said outright in Handmaid's Tale. It was just like one person's perspective, and things were like alluded to, but never really said. This one had more just like this is what fucking happened. Yeah. Maybe that's better for some people. Maybe that's worse for some people. You know, it's just a different, different flavor. It was a more exciting book to read. Parts of it did feel like Handmaid's Tale revenge fantasy. You know, like with Aunt Lydia taking the shit down. Like people who... That was, kind it was of, pretty badass. It yeah. was super badass, but yeah. part of it was like, oh. And then you got the covert girls going in to kick ass and tear their shit down to the, to the studs. I guess the question I had was that we alluded to several times throughout this episode. It was... Did Aunt Lydia set out to do this from the beginning, or did she decide on this later on? Good question. I, I think that is a good question. I think in the beginning, she was just trying to survive. Yeah. I don't think she was trying She's like, to... Do you think she was ever like, I'm going to get these guys back one day? I, right. I, don't, I don't know if she was planning to get everybody back from the very beginning. One, one thing she said was interesting in that when she told the girls, like, you're going to take this information and you're going to try and escape so you can... But what she said is, what she described to them was, you're doing this to save Gilead. You're trying to... You're rooting out the corruption. You're whatever the phrase was. But she was never really a true believer at the beginning. No, not she was not. For so sure. was she saying that as a way to just persuade? She was was he persuading girls, or did she believe that herself? Was I don't she, think she saying it. that to just? Does she believe she was saving Gilead from the corruption inside it, or was she doing it because like no fuck these guys? I don't, I don't think she believed it. Like she was a single woman family court judge, non religious person. She wasn't going to be like, yeah, let's go full fundy. Like it didn't make any sense. So I don't. I don't really you know. think this was her like revenge. I think so. I mean, they put her in a position of power oddly quickly. Well, if we... They thought they had broken her. But still making her like the and, boss of and women. And she like... just women. That proved, was the attitude, I think. And she I proved guess, that she could but, be useful. She was like, I can provide something the, Yeah, it, just, it seemed odd to, me, odd to me. Just like, they, they, they definitely had women on their side from before the revolution. Well, Vidalia, whatever her name was. She was, she was a early... She was a... First, first, uh, she yeah, got on the ground guess, floor. You know, it, just, I it mean, was a crying shame. It just seemed, it seemed like, <laughs> you know, they made uh, Lydia the boss without any real proof of belief other than they tortured her for a while and she like said, okay, cool. Well, she was smart and she played the game. Uh, she was definitely competent. More than competent. She was the best at it. I mean, arguably. But, but they, they did it from the get-go. Well, I think she said something when, you know, after she, she got out of the thank tank and she was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play this game and when I can, I'll get my revenge. I'll, I'll, I'll get you some way, one way or another. At least that's her, we have to, you know, part of the question. It's an unreliable narrator. Yeah, exactly. We have three unreliable narrators 
and and they're super unreliable. So we, I'm just gonna. We just I feel to, like Jay's pretty reliable. We have to just take them at their word, right? Let's just assume that what they're saying is the truth. Then I assume that she, if she didn't plan on it, she certainly fantasized about taking it down Revenge. one way or another because of what they had done to her and to other people she knew. Maybe even extend that to the length of what they had done to women, what they did to the country, what they that she definitely wanted to see it burn. Anyway, she can, and if she can contribute in any way, I think she was she wanted to. One thing I remember from doing some research back for the Handmaid's Tale episode was that Margaret Atwood had said in an interview, "It's not really so you know, it's not really just a feminist book. It's you know, it's not just really about women because her point is under totalitarianism, everyone is oppressed. It's not just women that are oppressed in Handmaid's Tale. It's really like basically everyone." And her example was Nick, the 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 little assistant dude, the the assistant to the, the commander, the driver to the commander, like he's oppressed too. The other like guards, they're oppressed too because they have no freedom also. And I feel like The Handmaid's Tale kind of shows that even Aunt Lydia, who really is given this position of power very early in the regime, she's also oppressed because she's, you know, more or less like, you know, tortured and, and convinced like, like you have to do this to survive. She's, she's still not allowed to and do she does almost it, anything. She does it just to survive. They just have or a lot least, of mint tea. They have a lot of mint tea. And that even the people who are collaborators, who end up running the regime, or at least some of them, they're not necessarily true believers. They're also just also oppressed. But they get everybody to oppress each other. I guess that's how you competently run a dictatorship. Yeah. Right? Because you can't oppress them all by yourself. You need you need. You got to oppress somebody so they can oppress other people. Like a, uh, a oppression... Ponzi scheme. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there like you a, go. It's, like an, it's, a, it's a triangle. You have, to, you have to oppress two people. You know, we oppress you, you just have to oppress two people. Is it an people. inverted downward facing triangle? It's, it's, it's like an it's, MLM it's, of oppression. It's Amway, but with, with brutality. <laughs> Same level of Christianity, though. Is Amway Christian? Like a super Christian? Betsy DeVos's family runs it, so yeah. Is that right? She married into the Amway family. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. That level of fundamentalism. That'll save the... Uh, Education system. education system in the United States. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Did you know that she was uh, uh, cited for a contempt of court today? And, oh, we're, and like, we're paying for it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what? I, th- I think Betsy DeVos is Aunt Lydia. I'm just going to say. So no, but Aunt Lydia, Lydia and much, turned out to be a good person at the end. more competent. Oh, yeah. She's more... She just happened to be in the Aunt Lydia's family. <laughs> the, her, her, was she's her brother the, she's the Jamie Lannister. Her brother's Eric Prince. I don't know who that is. Eric the Prince head of Blackwater? The founder of Blackwater, yeah. Oh, wow. That's her okay. brother. Her last name is not DeVos by family. She married into the Amway family. But her brother is an actual Christian fundamentalist totalitarian regime by himself. Mercenary. Yes. Does that cancel out? Because mercenary is usually kind of badass, but fundamentalist Christian is usually kind of lame. He's mercenary for, uh, for Jesus. Christianity, yeah. burning brown people. He's a crusader. He has his own private army. I know Blackwater is, yeah. yeah. Well, now it's called like it's called G Exxon. Yeah. No, X-E. It's changed its name several times since mm-hmm. they killed all those people. Yikes. Several times. That's what mercenaries tend to do. <laughs> Killing people and cashing checks. That's what mercenaries do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, dollar, dollar bills, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not saying that things are amazing right now in the country, but I just don't think that we're in the, maybe I'm the naive person who I, I didn't read this as, oh, we're definitely headed here. There was I, a, I, I read this as, I, I want to make a sequel to Handmaid's Tale. I get yeah. that too, but I think a lot of people read that into it. A lot of reviews I read and interviews I read, people were like, oh, this is, this is the book for our times. Everyone's it won gonna, the fucking Booker. Okay. Should it have won the Booker? I don't know. It was good. 
I didn't read the other ones, but I don't know what it, one it shared it with a thing. I don't know what it shared it with. I didn't though. read any of the other ones this year. But maybe we'll do the other one. It just it what just, is what is the other one? I don't remember off the top of my head. It just seems this one was already on our list. Awards so. baby, yeah. you know it, 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 the fact that it won the award. But I, I mean, I like the she book. couldn't. It might have been the best of the books. I'm not going to say if it was. she wrote it another year, it probably still would have won. Sure, but I think that a lot of I mean, people, the world, she the world it not, was already established. This. Yeah, but if she written it in 2014, it still might have won. Yeah, but you know what? She didn't write it in 2014. She wrote it. She was now. working on the I show. Think it, it, I think it has more relevance now to the judges now to the judges. But the book might have been the same. Possibly. I mean, we can't really answer such things, right? But possibly. I don't know. I love the book regardless. I just feel like there are a lot of people who look at this book and they're like, this is more important than ever that we do X, Y, and Z come election day. People take that from all books. They do. You're right. Um, Even the Bible, which in this book they label as a heretical text at points. Can't let people read the Bible. Yeah, that's true. They're going to take what they want from it. Which was the biggest distinction between the uh, Gilead people, the sons of Jacob, and actual Protestants. Because Protestantism is all about actually reading the Bible for yourself. Well, they're more totalitarians than Protestants. Yeah, they're just... The Christianity it's just, parts it's are just convenient. a way to justify the things they already want. Yeah, that's right. Which is true of any extremist belief. Yeah. That's why they have all the fucking kids blowing themselves up. It's like, oh, you can't read the fucking... Uh, Quran, but I'll tell you what it says. It says you got to blow yourself up. Like, does it say that? Like, it says UC4. <laughs> it's weird that he knew about that. Like, wow, he was so wise. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So, I mean, you know, it's, it's people use anything they want to justify the things they already believe. Religion, that's, books, that's true. Sesame Street, <laughs> everything. It doesn't matter. People are going to believe what they want. Whatever you believe, I think it was a really great book. One more thing. I know yeah, so far got a long time. So another thought, and obviously this is Margaret Atwood's point, was that this in Gilead, they pretend, the hypocrisy of Gilead is they pretend that their society is trying to uphold the purity of women, but in reality, they're letting girls be molested. And, you know, the, the they're husband... They're pure the, so they can be molested. The command, and then they, like, subject... And some women have to become handmaids that then die in childbirth, and then other ones are being murdered by their commander. You know, the wives are being murdered by the commanders, or they're murdering each other. And clearly, it is they're absolutely not supporting any rights of women. Well, in fact, if when you get too old to have a child, you become a Martha, and you become a yeah. maid, a servant, that the women have the one purpose of childbirth, and then the rest of their life is They're also expendable. just women that yeah. can't have babies, I think. They're not all old. Yeah, it's Anyone true. Who's, if they can have a baby, they can't have a baby, they become an Econo wife or a Martha. Well, there it is. So, an Econo wife being Margaret Atwood's inability to have anything that's not a shitty name. Yeah, it's a weird name. It, is. it doesn't make any fucking sense. There's nothing economical about it. Is it like those vans, the Econoline yeah, like vans? Yeah, like, I don't that's get it. Like, like, that's like, what I was thinking. Yeah, every it time doesn't I heard make it. any sense. I think it's just she's the... Bad at, uh, she's bad at naming. I just she's great at writing, <laughs> but bad at naming anything. Well, she had the Handmaids. That was a great name. You know, that was all that shit. Yeah, true. okay. One out of a hundred ain't bad. The eyes and all that. That's not very inventive. It's not. Though there was a part <laughs> where, where right after... Um, fuck, what's her name now? Lydia gets taken out of the think tank. She goes to see Judd in the office and she's and I recognized I don't I didn't recognize it then but it was the insignia of the eyes was painted on the door I was like man they got the fucking branding down real fast well, they have branding yeah like that was a mm-hmm. hey we're all going to buy fatigues and we need a graphic designer and I thought that was kind of inter- funny at the very like branding is important to anyone. but I guess if you're planning a revolution you, that's like the first dumb it's thing to be, figure it's out it's going to be guys in branding it's always going to be branding 
I used to work at a WeWork, like my company works at a oh WeWork. God. Half the other people, half the companies were branding. Doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. <laughs> it's just, I'd like to imagine that there were steers and you guys were branding them. Yeah. That, that was like happening. Yeah. Anyhow. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was happening. And then that company burned to the ground. <laughs> WeWork? Oh, they've gone through some shit. Yeah. WeWork was evaluated, evaluated at like a bajillion dollars, oh, and now just, it's worth like $11. They just golden parachuted their CEO for $1.7 even though they make no money. Man. All you got to do is start a company, fake it for long enough. just, and a thing I read today, described as the country's number one grifter. He is 100% a grifter. Means more than, than Trump. Exactly. By I, the way, I knew you were going to say that. Trump. Yeah, Trump, Trump is still it's, in it's this only, It's only numbers because it's amount of money. Yeah, that is... Mm-hmm. You can't make a billion dollars. How does one hotels. how does one measure grift? <laughs> money, amount of money. Is you it dollars it. or amount of grifting uh, instances? Right, money. Yeah, totally. <laughs> well, I like the book. I think everyone should read it, regardless of your politics, regardless of what you believe. It's just a fucking great book. It's a good book, yeah. And if you, especially if you're into dystopian things, if you're into sci-fi, well, not really sci-fi, but like it's not speculative yeah. fiction. That's like the term, which yeah. is kind of just like. Fiction that takes place in a future. That doesn't have to speculate be, on. It's really not about science, so I wouldn't call it science fiction. It's pretty much the anti-science. Well, that's true. Well, what, what's, what is speculative fiction is another question. Speculative fiction is... Alternative worlds. Where it's like, okay, there's fiction future. where it's about... It takes place in the regular world. In this world, right? Where there's nothing weird. There's it's no just, magic. It's just people that don't actually exist, but there's nothing different about the world. Well, there's no magic in The Handmaid's Tale, Jimmy. So it's speculative fiction. It's not fantasy. As opposed to sci-fi. Oh, okay, you you could call fantasy also speculative fiction. I think speculative fiction is a is, Speculative is a fiction broader? would, yeah. I don't know. If it's like, more like a broader term that encompasses both fantasy and I wouldn't and, include and fantasy fiction. because fantasy involves like elves and shit. I'm not speculating that elves are real. I'm not speculating they that are. boys are wizards. Boys can be wizards. No, they can't unless you're in the KKK. But <laughs> speculative fiction just means like... Grand wizards. We're speculating on possible... Actual things. So it's it's sort of like it's within the realm of possibility. It's like the alternate history books, but in a future sense, right? Like this could happen in yeah, some it sense. could be an alternate present, like, alternate future, alternate like history. Really, 1984 has no like out there science in it. Well, today in 1948, that was some fucking out yeah. there shit. I mean, it's, 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 it's really, but not not even that crazy exactly. It's really just they anything had that's possible. Televisions with a camera in it that wouldn't be that was that was for 60 years. Yeah, but it's but not. But it's combining that two things that already exist. Yeah. Okay. You didn't come up with the concept of a camera. It's not. So when I, I mean, read about was, tacos that blow it's you. It's not faster than light travel. That's like the thing. Is that the cutoff? All right. Inter- interstellar travel is the line. No, it's not interstellar. Faster than but light you need travel. Faster than light travel. I mean, come on. You can get there without going faster than light. It just takes a really fucking You can time. get it if you really want. If you try, try, try. God damn you, fucking <laughs> ska listening son of a bitch. That's not <laughs> ska. You can. That's a fucking Desmond Decker song. Oh, fuck it is, yeah. Yeah, it is, you're right. I thought it was like a 70s thing. Yeah, it's a fucking Desmond Decker tune. Yeah, you're right. You don't get much more ska than that. That's true. But most people don't know that. Well, let's pick it up, pick it up. Tell us what you thought. Send us an email to drunkguysbookclub at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at drunkguysbc. Or go to Facebook and Instagram at drunkguysbookclub. If you're still allowed to read and write, please give us five stars. If you're a man, you can give us five stars anytime. Jesus Christ. And I uh, didn't write the rules. Blame Mark and I would. Uh, and also check out the Hopped Up Network, a network of independent beer broadcasters. And also, thanks for listening. Bye bye.